you shit off the old scarecrow. This house is falling down, the bass bellies are broken out. It could rain for more than more, but still be stuck in a drought. Hello, eyes and things. If I'd hold out for the roof. Right, welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast. Curtis Wilson on this end. Brian Siegler here on this end. How's it going, guys? Uh, dude, rolling today at work. It's been a fun day with a lot of different stuff. I know you got called into a meeting when we were going to do this a little while ago. <laughs> well, it's spring break here on campus, and this is our special spring break episode, but uh, your boy's still working, so... Not so much of a spring break, but we'll see how it goes. Not much of a spring break, yeah. You talk about working during spring break, man. I, I've never had the opportunity to ever take a true spring break. All the years in school, was either uh, it was either when I did local community college, I was working a job, and then down at Longwood the three years, I would go back to Halifax and work. I needed money. <laughs> It was sort of money, like is, money is definitely better than uh, than spending it on, you know, when you don't have it. So um, no trips to Cancun for you, then. No, not, unfortunately. Not it, it was, I think I could have a couple times, but it was one of those things. Do I really want to go through the last six weeks before summer break and not have any money? Like literally drinking John Paul Jones and Mickey's. <laughs> the rest of the semester and eating D Hall food. I mean, you could be stuck with Mad Dog Twenty Twenty, so you know it, could, it could, could definitely be worse. It um, could be, but, but you know that's the way it goes. <laughs> did, did, did you? No, you never really had any spring break experiences like out of like the the typical spring break. But you had one right back maybe your junior year. Yeah, so uh, I just started dating my uh, wife, so we were we were still just pretty early in the. Uh, in the, in the dating range at that point. And um, so spring breaks were different weeks. So I actually headed up to Blacksburg, uh, scooped her up from Lee Hall and headed over to some of my buddies place and uh, had a good night of uh, drinking. And uh, at some point uh, there was a truck pull in the Fox Ridge parking lot. I don't know how that happens, but, you know, we're from a small town in the south, so shit like that usually happens at some point. It's Fox Ridge, man. <laughs> it's Fox Ridge. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, there was a, there was a lot of Jack and Coke. There was a lot of beer, and then there was a truck pull. So you know, a typical you know weekend Saturday night in Fox Ridge. Oh yeah, the times at Fox Ridge spent. That's when, if, as you hear me and Brian talk, that's where a lot of our friends who went to Tech who we would go to Blacksburg and hang with. I feel like 90% of them lived in Fox Ridge. At some point or another, yeah. At point some or point or another, they ended up in Fox Ridge at least for one year. So that is one part of our Virginia Tech experience. It's funny, when we went to the pit game, did you notice who the sponsor of Tots was, the cup? Oh, yeah. We had some Fox Ridge shout-out right there. It, it? It, was, it was Fox Ridge. <laughs> okay, okay. Like your genius marketing. Awesome. Well, guys, this isn't going to be one of our long, more in-depth podcasts. We're just going to hit a few things this week. Um, spring break. Spring break. Yeah, you know, we've, we've got to have some time off to recalibrate our brains with all the uh, between work, family, and, uh, you know, talking about Hokies football. So, um, 
you know, let's let's kick it off here. The XFL MVP. I mean, three out of five weeks, we got a star of the week in Cam Phillips, man. I mean, what what can we say at this point? I mean, yeah, 31 catches, 455 yards, nine touchdowns. This is game six this coming week, so they've only got a few games left. I mean, we've said it two or three times. He's going to be on an NFL roster, and then, you know, it's it's good to me. It's one of those things that's good for Hokie football because it kind of says, you know, you have the potential to keep playing professionally. This guy's balling. Um, Cam's got a good personality. You can tell that by what eating. What did he have? Chips and dip on the sidelines or at halftime the other week? Yeah, yeah I don't know what he was eating at halftime, but whatever it was, it worked. It worked. <laughs> so you know that was something cool. A um, couple weeks ago, Brian, um, if you didn't see, I uh, remember Kevin Lewis, the D tackle from kind of our golden age of hokey football. Yeah, yeah. Um, he got hired by Furman as the D line coach. So oh, nice. You know, so you know, again, it's, it's great to see those former Hokies continuing to thrive in the uh, college football community. Um, you know, we mentioned earlier his brother's down at Verona. So again, one of those cool things. Um, what else have you seen, Brian, that kind of caught your eye? I'll tell you the big thing. The hard hat series continues to knock it out of the park. We got to see uh, Dax and Rook, Richard Ashby, um, you know, kicking it back and forth this week. Um, well, I guess it was the end of last week was, was when that happened. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it, they, the content just keeps getting better and better. And, you know, I really, I really like this one a lot. What did you think about it, man? Oh, no, I absolutely loved it. Um, the series in general is great because again, you're getting the personalities, um, not only of the players, which, you know, you can see on the field, but you're seeing some with the coaches, um, with these two guys, it's, a, it's awesome to see, you know, one of the 804's very best um, get some time to shine. Mr. Six Foot, I think that's what they should nickname him now, Mr. Mr. Six, six Foot. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Six Foot. He's like, yeah, I'm uh, Six Foot. I'm Six yeah. Foot. <laughs> Dak's face on that one. Right? And, He's and, like, and then, and then Rayshard kind of had this little wry smile on his face. But again, it's showing the personality. It's it's allowing us to peel some of the layers that we've been wanting as fans. Um, and to me, it's they they are a formidable linebacker duo, man, and they've played great. And I think it's they kind of counteract each other because, you know, Rook, you do see any with the interview, Rook more disciplined, you know, finding the tackle, plays hard as they said he is a dog. He was not highly rated coming out, and then you've got Dax just all the one eighty opposite, right? Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> Dax is very vocal, very loud, highly rated prospect when he came out, um, and to me. He's lived up to it, especially when he was thrown in that freshman year. He made some mistakes, but there are a couple games that we won that if he hadn't been on the field playing in that backer position, we probably don't make a bowl. Um, what else did you see from it? I mean, I think the big thing is that, I mean, I, I know some people probably have a similar relationship that I'm about to describe here, but, like, you got two guys that more or less have very different um, – were very different before they arrived in Blacksburg, I feel like, but they, they found something that united them and they have this mutual respect for it, but they also have developed this friendship as a result of that mutual respect. 
and you could kind of feel that that uh, that dynamic between them. Like you know, these these are guys that probably have very different um, diff- very different come ups, but are still have, have found something in common that really really binds them pretty close. And I, I thought that was really special to see, and just. You know the camaraderie that you see there, them uh, them tossing it back and forth, and you know Dax giving uh, Rayshard a hard time about the six foot comment, <laughs> and I mean you could definitely tell that there's there's history there, and that, that they really have an appreciation of not only you know being a little bit different personality wise, but also being different in how they um, how their games are. But at the same time, the one thing that's similar between both up is how hard they work at it. And I feel like that that's yeah. where that mutual respect comes in. Absolutely. And then you talked about them. If you remember one of the, one of the big words, if I can recollect was they said family quite a few times. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and then they talked a little bit about Jay ham and it's been a few days since we watched this guy. So, you know, apologize if we're not hitting all the key points, but the family thing was a big thing to me. And you're kind of hearing that more and more, it's kind of almost like a theme this offseason because, you know, you had um, the Hoffman episode and those guys talking about how he came in and became that leader, kind of the leader of the family who wasn't able to play. Then we saw the video with, you know, the discussion, and we didn't get to discuss this, so let's, let's hit it now with when they had the Cornelson, Fuente, Vice, and Tyrell Nick talking about essentially living in a frat house when they were, just getting their start at Illinois State about it was like it was like a family. It was just a bunch of guys on a grease board after just football all the time. Um, you kind of saw that with the Hamilton when they when we met the defensive coaches. It's it, it, that's the trend this year. Oh yeah, you saw you saw it with the with QP and uh, and Hendon's too as yeah. well. So I mean, it, I mean it's all definitely going back to you know this is a family. You know, we all come from different areas, but but when we're here, we're family, we're together. This is what it's all about. We lean on each other when we need to. We pick each other up when we need to. That's what it is. Yeah. And something else that kind of goes back and, you know, we, we – and if, I know – I think you got to listen to it. I'm going to give a shout-out to Tech Sideline, uh, Will Stewart, the godfather of independent tech football and sports talk along with Chris Coleman and all those guys over there who do a great job. Um, listening to the Teal interview, uh, you did get to listen to it, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And David Teal discussing how our head coach, when he is in front of that podium, he is a different person than when he is in a room with four or five people. Um, and it's one of those things. It's probably his personality. Should Whip Babcock go hire somebody to help him at the podium? Yes, please. Please. <laughs> let, you know, I mean, sometimes I think we do see um, Coach Fuente come off the cusp and say a little more, but he's, he's very tight-lipped. It's almost one of those things like don't give your enemy any words that they can put up his motivation. He's not trying to give anybody extra ammo, so he's he plays it close to the vest in those situations. And I mean, it's probably coming from somebody that either somebody either taught him that or he learned that mm-hmm. on his own, because you know th- there's all sorts of situations of somebody saying something, you know, off the cuff. I mean, God, Mike Leach has made an entire career out of it. Um, exactly. So, and sometimes to his detriment, and sometimes to his credit, um, you know, there's a reason probably Mike Leach is just now starting to get some some major run at uh, at bigger bigger schools, and even then, I mean. We're still talking about second tier in terms of the conference season. So, 
there's a reason for that. And some of that is the fact that sometimes those things that endear us to the fans can also backfire. Um, to administration. Exactly. So I think think somebody like Mike Fuente has definitely uh, got that in their mind when they're talking about it. So. A hundred percent. And um, it's one of those things too, and we can all joke about it. Um, Folks listening out there, folks who work like Brian works for an educational institution. I work for a corporate, uh, a pretty large corporation. You can't just go out and just shoot things off at the hip. Sometimes it's a good way to get in a lot of trouble with your two VPs or in your case, like your director. Like, so you said what? Oh yeah, I shouldn't have said that, huh? Yeah, I, I can hear from the uh, from anywhere from my supervisor to my department head to uh, you know dean of students, <laughs> dean of school of medicine. So I mean, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of layers where I could hear things from if I say something that doesn't reflect well upon the university or is not in my purview to speak on publicly. Exactly. So. <laughs> you know so let's just put that hat on sometime when you see our head coach up there do we want to be more animated yes maybe it'll come in years let's cross our fingers i really wish we could see some old stuff of frank in the late 80s early 90s because i think we all have the vision of frank his last you know decade where he was pretty much entrenched and the legend you know frank was very loose frank was fancy gap (laughs) and we loved him for it (laughs) So yeah, um, well, now, Frank knew Frank knew how to bullshit in a way that didn't get him in trouble too. So I think it's a it's an art. I mean, not everybody has that gift. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, moving on to more topics, um, the big five star visit, man, Brian, you followed this pretty close. Uh, so what what have you, what have you read and seen about the Travion Henderson visit um, last week down in the Berg? I mean, you know, we got word from it that it was coming, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, he's going to be in Blacksburg. And I was like, okay, okay well. And then the, the big thing that I saw and the big thing that I love about Hokie Nation in general is that we're a very aware fan base of both situations that are going on and how, how much it matters to the program. So, I mean, you saw the entire community of Blacksburg, you know, pouring on love for this guy. They know how much this guy could mean to our, our program. And they acted accordingly. And that's that's outside of, of the school and the, the coaches and everything else. I'm talking about just the community. You got signs everywhere, um, you know, handmade and everything. So, I mean, th- they were showing this guy some love. And like I said, that's what I appreciate about our fan base is that they are so self-aware with things like that. They understand, you know, recruiting to a point and they understand the at least the importance of getting somebody like him. Um, to come to Blacksburg, and that's that's what I love to see. And you know, by all accounts, it seems like he had a good time. Loves Blacksburg, loves the loves the coaching staff, um, loves the feel of Lane. So I'm just I'm, I'm hoping that we we can close the deal with him. Obviously, um, I think with him and, and with Tony, we're going to get the the bigger the bigger pushes. Obviously, because we got some really um, you know blue blood programs that are going after both of those guys. Absolutely, really hard. But you know, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, that the family aspect that we've been talking about, and the fact that we can take advantage of some of his versatility in our offense that we've been talking about, I'm hoping those two things come to fruition and we can really get him um, into Blacksburg. And I think he can really be something special. 
Yeah, I, yeah, agreed with that. And again, like I said last episode, the options there for for him and Tony, the options are going to be there to come in and compete and possibly get a starting job right away. Um, now, one thing I thought was so cool and give credit again, it's the it's the building, it's some of the foundational pieces that are being built. But some of the photos and the photo ops at Lane were cool. And the coolest one, I know I sent it to you, was that picture of him and Fuente. They they looked like it, you could tell they were kind of chatting, walking back down the tunnel in black and white. Oh, yeah. I don't know who captured that, but that's one of those cool things. You don't know what's being said there, but it's one of those things where it, 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 it there was no other coaches around. There were no other players, not, you know, none of his family. That looked like one of those walks of was he was it a pitch of the program? Yeah, and and I mean the the, the picture definitely it's it spoke to a lot of people. I think that was the one that I think was shared around the most. Like I say, you shared it with me um, specifically, even though I had already seen kind of the collage that had been shared earlier. So I was like, yeah, that that one that one definitely speaks louder than some of the other ones. The other ones were you know you got your typical okay photo with the with the fam and the coaching staff. And you got your, uh, you know, your your, your uh, padded up glamour shots, but that one just kind of it spoke a little bit, a little bit more. It, it felt like it wasn't a stage like the other ones were. It yeah. wasn't like we gathered everybody together to take the picture or hey, you know, we're going to get you in front of the the backdrop of the. Um, I always try to go. It's north, south. Was that East stands? Yeah. The non-student section stand, that's, that's what I can consider. <laughs> and they're cool, but that looked like it was one of those off-the-cuff moments, like, hey, we're going to go back to the office, and uh, and it's like, hey, mom and dad, you guys, they're going to tour you around, but I'm going to go with coach. And it's just kind of like whoever was there was like, they're saying stuff, click, caption in time. Maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe when, if he signs that, you know, the letter of intent that, that should be, the one with the letter of intent that's there for our hopes. So, uh, I did not get to watch the basketball game last night. Did you catch any of the unfortunate loss? To the I Warriors? watched. I watched a little bit of it last night. Um, I, I was able to get the, uh, you know, some of the first half in a little bit of the second half. Um, you know, just in general, it was one of those classic hokey games in the back half of the uh, of the year um, where we saw. If the three's not falling, it's going to be a long night. And we we had some of the similar struggles. And I, credit to North Carolina because they did look more like what I thought they would have looked um, earlier in the year. And I think some of that is just finally getting healthy a little bit as, as the season wraps up. But I, as far as just barometer and how I feel about the whole situation, I mean, I think overall we have a success for year one of the, of yep. the Mike Young era because – I don't think. I mean, no, nobody thought sixteen and sixteen was was going to be something that this team could achieve at the start of the season. Um, as they started piling some of the wins earlier, I think we probably recalibrated our expectations, probably a little higher than they should have been. Um, and success does that. I mean, we we've done that many times in football before, where we have big success out of the gate and we recalibrate, and then we get our our hearts ripped out a little bit. So I think that's kind of where Hokie Nation was, was with some of this at the back half is that, you know, when, when, once you've recalibrated those expectations, those losses hurt a little bit more and a little bit more. And you got to say, okay, let's, let's take that, uh, that red pill and um, (laughs) get back to reality a little bit. (laughs) 
I completely agree, man. I think 16 and 16 for the Mike Young are a great start. Very young team, very small team. Um, the way you feel, the only guy potentially could leave is Landers Nolly. Uh, and if, uh, and just, I think Landers, I think what it showed with him this year, I think he's a great player, but I think being the man, the grind got to him. And if for no other reason, he should stay in for one reason. Dude, you go out there and prove that you can lead a team for 30 games and be the man for 30 games without falling off because of essentially what it is is you're 19 years old and you're the man, you are the man on a college, a, you know, Division One basketball team um, in a major conference. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to – Toby comes back. Um, all right, so this is a little preview, guys. Um, the 20th, day before spring – Fall starts. We are going to be doing a essentially call it a grades. We'll be doing a position preview episodes. We're going to hit every position. We're going to give our individual grades of where we feel the position is before spring ball. And I'm putting the highlight on that before spring ball um, because clearly you have the guys going to be coming in with recruiting. Um, and clearly, you know, like the cornerback position this year, we'll talk about it more, but our top three corners will not be, um, at spring practice, which is, which is big, but some opportunities there. Definitely some opportunities. And especially when we're talking about building, not just for 2020, but building going forward. I mean, obviously get, get these guys more reps against, um, you know, ones and twos versus like practice squad or anything like that. That's going to that's going to pay dividends down the road. So getting, getting as many of those guys out there as possible is going to be good. Um, and I think, you know, what we want to do with this episode is really kind of give you a – essentially take the temperature where we think the depth is right now before we get any sort of on-the-field um, reactions from spring ball, from spring practice, or anything like that. And, um, and, and, and roll into spring practice with a little bit of uh, – a little bit of energy because we can we can kind of feel good about uh, about where I think some of the the spots are on this roster and you know there's going to be a couple that we're probably going to highlight that are that we're either unsure about or feel a little sketchy about but I think I think we're gonna we're gonna give you guys something to to look forward to with that absolutely now the question also will be will we scream at each other in this episode when I give a bad grade <laughs> and your football knowledge is like you're a moron Curtis. <laughs> Maybe, maybe not. Maybe we'll see. We'll see. It depends on it depends on uh, depends on how how egregious we go there, man. All right, Brian, you've got something you want to invite our listeners to, so go for it, big guy. All right. Well, me and Curtis for probably what about going about six or seven years now have been yep. doing this get together at a uh, spot that we love, Hurley's Tavern, out in uh, on the West End, at the shops uh, at Innsbruck. Shops at Innsbruck, yes, sir, <laughs> and. You know, you hear the shout out there on uh, if you, any of you guys listen to to Wes McElroy, you're gonna hear that that spot shouted out a lot. And that's that's one of our favorite spots too. We're out, we're out there a lot, and we like I said every year the Friday that March Badness kicks off, we always have a get together. We have some coworkers come in, some friends, but any any of the listeners out there in the 804, we want to cordially invite you to um, our March Madness kickoff at Hurley's Tavern. March 20th, we usually set up shop around noon. We've got the back room to ourselves. 
Um, we have that running from noon to five. So anytime you guys want to stop in that day, watch some basketball, grab a beer, chat us up a little bit, feel free to do that. And, uh, you know, come up to us, let us know who you are. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll let you know how we're doing and watch some good, uh, good basketball, hopefully, uh, as long as um, the coronavirus does not cause any more havoc on this situation (laughs) just shake my head at that man yeah and by all means um if you are interested but have more questions you know feel free to drop a line at the boundary podcast twitter account um we can help you out if you need to know where it is uh again it's the shops at innsbruck it's at the intersection of broad and cox so uh yeah if you want to come come by It, it should be a lot of fun all right, now, now speaking of going to Hurley's on a Friday afternoon and drinking beer, day drinking, which used to come to us pretty easy. Um, man, it's like you hit 30 and all of a sudden, man, this yeah. hangover is hitting different, man. And, and, and then talking about earlier about spring break, the poll question this week, little little fun. What is your go-to hangover cure? No medicine involved. And the selections are the hair of the dog, a case of Gatorade, some good greasy food, or just let me sleep all day, don't bother me. So <laughs> chime in. Me and Brian will be voting on that. Um, Curtis, what's your, what's your hair of the dog? What's your go-to hair of the dog? Whenever I was drinking the night before. you, okay. you got to trick the body. Okay. So, so whatever it was, uh, if, you, if you're drinking Coors, you're going Coors. You find the Coors. If you're drinking you Jack, you at least let's, let's do a little Jack and Coke to start the day. Exactly. Whatever you had, you have to get what you have back in you because <laughs> if not, you're risking the body rejecting what uh-huh. you don't have. Very dangerous. Um, personally, I always felt like it was stages. There were some that just do that. Some are you need Gatorade, some greasy food. Some were just the nights where it's like, listen, I need to sleep like till five o'clock. Nobody bothers me. <laughs> so but if I wake up with just the headache, if I've got the pounding headache, let me go ahead and pound some Gatorade. That usually exactly. knocks it out for me. It's all what you did the night before and what you have to do that day. So what's the what's um, the go to Gatorade for you though? What's the go to Gatorade? You go, you go like the, I, I usually know, go lemon lime, man. I, I usually go lemon lime orange. See, I see. As I got older, I felt like lemon, lime, orange, and even red would give me terrible heartburn. So I always felt the blue was the better one to go with. Okay, awesome. Sticking blue, sticking blue, sticking with the blue. Awesome. Well, Hoagie Nation, um, we thank you guys for continuing to follow us on this podcast. Um, I think Brian, we're we're, we're closing in on two hundred plus listens. We're closing in on two hundred plus Twitter followers. Um, we really appreciate you guys, you know, creating the conversation, giving us feedback. Um, you know, it, it does mean a lot to us. And by all means, if you have suggestions or if you want to give us some feedback, put a DM out to us. You know, tweet us. Not gonna hurt our feelings. We're big boys. Yeah, I mean, and some of you follow me on follow me personally on Twitter, not just at the Boundary Corner page. So, you yep. know, if you want to hit me up directly, feel free to do that. I will listen. I will take any criticism or, or compliments, whatever it is, man. I, I I've definitely always had a uh, a want of constructive criticism. So feel free to for, hit us with whatever you got, and we'll we'll definitely take it to heart and try to make this thing better. Awesome, and I agree with him. Same with my personal account as well. That's going to wrap up the episode today, Hokie Nation of the Boundary Corner Podcast. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. 
We'll let Jason play you guys out as always. Check him out on Spotify, Apple Music. Thank you for listening. And as always, let's go. Okies. Okay.